what's up, everybody? The Super Bowl is over. The Chiefs are the champs. And we on the Believe Fantasy Football Show are back. Fabs, your friendly neighborhood fantasy football analyst. And of course, the great, the legendary king, Bob Harris. Now, I know the Super Bowl happened like a bunch of days ago. And we still can recap it a little bit because we haven't done the podcast uh, since the game was determined. Uh, for me, the game was garbage for the first three and a half quarters, ballpark. And then after that, it got very exciting. Great finish from a fantasy standpoint. Well, Mahomes had one of his best games of the year, and he did part of it in the fourth quarter and yeah. into overtime. Had he not gotten into overtime, he would have scored fewer than 18 points, which, which, would, have been, which, which would have been ballpark what he's been this season, which is average. Right. Kelsey had one catch in the first half, did nothing, and then you know got pissed off and yelled at Andy Reid and eventually ended up having a huge game uh, from a real football and fantasy football perspective. Uh, but, I mean, McCole Hardman had a big game. If you had him in DFS, you were probably pretty happy about that. And on the Niners side, it was Christian McCaffrey and Jawan Jennings, yep. Bob Harris. Like, those were the only two guys from a fantasy standpoint who did anything. Brandon Ayuk, ugh. Debo Samuel, ugh. George Kittle, double ugh. Yeah. Your thoughts was, on the game. So in general, like when we talked last, I mean, I, I, I had given myself a path to, to a 49ers victory. And I feel that path was correct. It just didn't come to pass. They were one Christian McCaffrey big play away from almost nailing my projected 31-24 outcome. And, and he made the one big play. It was a trick play, granted, from John Jennings to pass. Uh, by the way, my article last week on Football Guys was about the outliers, all of them that I highlighted, Jennings, MBS, Hardman, all scored. But I, I highlighted everybody. So I'm just saying the, my top of my list, I thought it came through nicely. Uh, you always expect someone in the Super Bowl to come out of nowhere. I thought the Chiefs' defense was on point. Chris Jones was amazing. The secondary, uh, Sneed, Duffy, the safeties, the linebacking core, all played fantastic. I think you have to you have to make a point of putting some blockers on Chris Jones on plays when it matters Probably the a good most. Idea. Would be a good lesson to learn. And I thought the 49ers defense played well. Sorry that Steve Wilkes and, and Kyle Shanahan didn't see eye to eye. Wilkes fired yesterday after his defense ranked third in the NFL. Uh, all season long. I think that came up from that one play fabs. You know, like there was a, he had a, he had a defense called Shanahan called the timeout. You can see, or we, you know, it was a, a big play moment and it didn't go their way. So uh, look, I, th I enjoyed the game. I'm not a fan of games where there are no points scored in any quarter. Um, I know, yeah, it was, the first half was not fun right. to watch at all. I mean, there was no point scored in the first quarter and, the Chiefs offense was, I mean, let's be honest. The Chiefs offense looked like crap. Isaiah which, Pacheco which is, came up short for sure. And then I think the turning point of the game was the the fumble on the punt yep. that gave the Chiefs sure. that crazy good field position. They end up scoring, and that changed the momentum of the game. Uh, the Niners made a couple of bad calls. Uh, say what <clears> you will about Kansas City's offensive line, whether or not they, they held or didn't hold, but they didn't get called for any holding uh, penalties for – the third Super Bowl in a row, <laughs> which is like crazy to me. Uh, but Taylor Swift was happy. Travis Kelsey was happy. Everyone was happy, uh, except for maybe those of us who started any 49ers not named McCaffrey uh, or Jennings in our fantasy football postseason 
league. We, so, we, we, we talk about a game of inches, though, and, and the point you made on the punt, I mean, randomly hitting somebody on the foot, forcing Richie James to try to make a play that he couldn't make, and, you know, just like, I mean, football is a game of inches and in split yep. second decisions. Yeah. So, uh, listen, uh, uh, it was it was a a mediocre game until the end, which kind of caps off what's been a, like a mediocre NFL season, uh, especially wow. with all the quarterbacks getting hurt. Sixty six quarterbacks starting a game, the most since the strike year, and the Chiefs are the champs again. Uh, I I have to mention what happened in Kansas City, and I hope and pray that everyone uh, there uh, is is going to be okay. I know there was one uh, loss of life, which is, which awful. Uh, and we're all of course praying for everyone else who was affected, uh, whether or not they were actually uh, injured uh, in the melee uh, in Kansas city, or they had a friend or a family member uh, who was injured. So hopefully um, everyone um, is going to come out of that. Okay. Um, uh, as much as, you can possibly be okay having to endure a situation like that. So, uh, but Bob and I are going to talk today about, well, this is Valentine's week. Valentine's day was yesterday. We're going to talk about 10 players that I kind of have a crush on going into next season. Uh, not that kind of crush, you know, a fantasy football crush guys that I want on my team. Not guys who are sleepers or breakouts. I mean, I'm not tagging these players anything. They're just guys that I will be targeting in my fantasy football drafts in 2024. Uh, and then we're also going to be talking about some of the incoming rookie quarterbacks and some names that you're going to want to know uh, because the combine is coming up next on the NFL schedule. But first, uh, Bet Online, Bob, continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends. You can follow your favorite team's pass to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Uh, I am going to start with my fantasy man crush list, and I put them in order of, I guess, the biggest crush to the least biggest crushed. I, I don't even know if that makes sense, but you guys get it. I love all these dudes and I'm trying to get them on all of my fantasy teams or at least most of them for 2024. Uh, and Bob, we're going to see, you'll be Cupid here. Let's put it, I mean, you're bald, right? You may be wearing a diaper right now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, and I'm sure you have a bow and arrow somewhere around there that you'd like to shoot me in the head with right through this, uh, uh, this, this glorious Elgato camera that I have. Uh, right. <laughs> so, you're going to tell me, Bob Harris, if uh, I hit the mark with the player or this is this is not what you think real love is, right? This is this is not someone that you're into uh, for whatever reason. I'm going to start off with B. John Robinson. He didn't have a bad rookie year. He finished ninth in points for the season among running backs, but he was only 17th in terms of points per game uh, among running backs who played in at least 10 games. So we all thought he'd be better. And I don't know that it was his fault. Arthur Smith is now gone. And I'm guessing now with the new regime in place, Bob Harris, that Bijan will get the ball a hell of a lot more and actually meet the expectations we had for him as a rookie. Yeah. I think, you know, Zach Robinson in is the offensive coordinator. I don't know that you can draw a direct line from what we should expect from Robinson versus what we got from Kyron Williams, but Williams 
was phenomenal. 14, 1144 rushing yards, third most in the NFL last season. But more impressive was his 19 carry per game average uh, mm-hmm. over the games he was healthy. But if you narrow that down to when it mattered most to fantasy managers, weeks 13 through 17, uh, he averaged 23 carries a game. You throw in 13 catches over that five-game span. You get 25-plus touches per game. Uh, that's league-winning volume for fantasy managers, especially compared to Robinson's 214 carries over 17 games, which ranked 19th in the NFL. So so you're you're paying a premium right now. I've been drafting already. I'm in the best ball rooms and also have done five mock drafts. Robinson does not escape the first round, nor should he. He's yeah. basically the current best ball ADP is running back three. Expect to pay around an eighth round pick for him right now, depending on how your draft plays out. It could vary depending on how people see it, but that that's about the range and I'm okay playing it, but he has to hit all the marks to return that value. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson, he was on this list last season and you know, when Aaron Rodgers goes down after four snaps, that kind of all went out the window. Uh, so he is, and I, I am, I am leaning on, and maybe this is going to be to my uh, demise when it comes to my Garrett Wilson love. I mean, the Jets are cursed at quarterback. So I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers will play most of the season. Let's hope so. Uh, but as long as the Jets don't acquire Devontae Adams, which has been kind of rumored that Aaron Rodgers is trying to push the Jets to get Adams away from Las Vegas, as long as it doesn't happen, I think Garrett Wilson's going to have his best year uh, as a pro, Bob. Yeah, 140 targets would not surprise me, assuming all goes well and Aaron Rodgers is in the locked and upright position the entire time. Um, so, like, I'm with you. I have a man crush as well. I don't know that I, you know... I've seen him tail into the first round, into the early second round. I think that's about the range you're going to have to pay for him. And, and, uh, and they're, I mean, he's going ahead of Adams, going ahead of Stefan Diggs easily. Yes. Uh, some guys that have traditionally gone, you know, in the first round or right outside the second. Wilson has definitely moved up in that range. And I think the expectation is that 140 target range, something around there. And, and, and I could see that. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., I love him. I Listen, I, I don't know where he's going. I hope it's Arizona. That's my dream landing spot for him and realistic dream landing spot for him. Uh, but, I mean, this is a kid in college who recorded, you know, 1,200-plus receiving yards and 14 touchdowns for two straight years. His dad was pretty good. I don't know if you remember him. I had him on fantasy football teams, Marvin Harrison. Uh, he is bigger than his old man. He is an A.J. Green type of, you know, Larry Fitzgerald type of player. And I think if he ends up in Arizona, I don't know where he's going to go. If he goes to New England, I'm going to be like, damn, okay. But he's so talented. I don't know that it's going to matter where he ends up. But I love Marvin Harrison Jr. And I will take him uh, at this at the top of the third round if I get a chance. You might not get a chance. The drafts I've been in, and, whether, and it might be I'm in industry drafts right now. So it might be people trying to you know plant their flag early. I've seen him go in the second round. Uh, he's a tail end wide receiver one, which seems like a, a, a bit of a reach for me. Like, you know, we saw last year, the handful of first round uh, wide receivers uh, had varying degrees of success. None of them ended up as wide receiver ones. Although we can go back a year ago, Garrett Wilson, you know, I mean, you can make that argument for that, that he should be in that range. I will wait till he gets a helmet on before I start getting, you know, invested too heavily, but I'll be doing hundreds of drafts this year. So I'll have every opportunity to do that for right now, the early pre-draft drafts, I'm letting other people be the heroes, but that's where you're seeing him go. I haven't seen him escape. I want to say the halfway point of the third round. Right. Yeah. That's where I've been seeing him get drafted to is in round three. Uh, And hell, I mean, when you see all the rookie wide receivers who are coming out of college and making immediate impact, I think it it, it only makes sense that we're a little bit higher uh, on, on Harrison, you know, then, then we might've been in the past because we are seeing rookies come in and make an immediate impact. 
Uh, speaking of a rookie who made an immediate impact, how about Anthony Richardson? Also on my fantasy love list uh, this season. Do I worry about his durability? Yes. Remember, he he injured his shoulder. Uh, he had gotten banged up. Maybe he's got to alter his style of play. Uh, I hope that he can learn to slide, Bob Harris. That would be great. But before he got hurt, he was awesome. I mean, two two of his three full games were over 20 points. Right. And the other one was over 17 points. I'm assuming Michael Pittman Jr. will be back. Jonathan Taylor will, I'm assuming, be 100% in camp. We all know he's good to go with the contract. And if the Colts can maybe add some pieces, I like Josh Downs as well. Uh, if they could add some pieces on the offense and offensive line, that that team could be very fantasy friendly. And Richardson is a guy that I am very mm. high on for next season. That's not a bold prediction, Bob Harris. It's just the eye test from what I saw in his limited time as a rookie. I'm all in. I was all in as a rookie. I'm all in now. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the talk when he came in was that he is not a great passer. I think the Colts saw it differently. I know my friend Matt Waldman at the rookie scouting portfolio saw it differently. They just felt like, you know, the completion percentage at Florida, 54.7%. The Colts thought that was a mirage. Uh, they thought he had good pocket presence, that he could, you know, keep his eyes downfield. Uh, but they needed to see that translate to the NFL. Part of that was learning the language. He learned it quickly. Thing you mentioned about the injuries is important, right? And by the way, he averaged, what, 22.1 points per game in those first four weeks, which was fourth in the NFL. And you mentioned the rushing game. I'm eager to see what opposing defenses have to figure out at the mesh point on RPOs when it's Richardson and a healthy Jonathan Taylor. That's going to make him even more effective as a passer. But my buddy Zach Kruger over at Roto World laid it out. In the two complete games played by Richardson, weeks one and four, the Colts had a 64.4% pass rate in neutral game scripts. They're throwing, right? I mean, that's evidence. And it's a narrow sample size, granted. But that's evidence to me uh, that they see what they've been talking about, Richardson. They also see and they plan to implement. And Shane Steichen, I think, is a great coach to do that. We saw him approach rookie quarterbacks in two different ways, right? With When he was with uh, Los Angeles and Justin Herbert. He threw the ball more than any other rookie ever, you know, in the in the league that year. Then with Jay, with Jalen Hurts, he focused more on the run and that, you know, to start out. We have the best of both worlds. He's got experience like in both these approaches. And so I think he can he's the ideal person to craft a great offense. So I'm with you. I have seen him. I've been trying to draft him, been trying to draft him. And I keep getting undercut. I've seen him go first draft. I did. He went in the sixth round, like six one. He's going at the turn, the five six turn. This last draft I did, he went at the four five turn, the five one. Um, I'm going to jump up. the The thing you could do about that, Fabs, is, as you know, as and any savvy fantasy player will do, it's okay to reach up for a quarterback, knowing that there are players that are going to be available in double digit rounds. You look at the current ADP right now. That list starts with Brock Purdy, who is quarterback six this year, is going. You know, his quarterback 12, Jordan Love in that same range. He finished well inside that. Kirk Cousins, assuming he's healthy. If he's back in Minnesota, he was quarterback four through the games he was healthy, the eight weeks he was healthy. So I think there's, you know, there's something to be said for reaching up, buying the lottery ticket, right? And that's what he is and hoping for the best. And it gives me a chance to, to one last thing, pound on the table here. Learn from what your opposition has done. Look around the league. Tua Tonga Valoa had a problem absorbing blows. Right. The Miami Dolphins invested and he invested in time and money in buying him a trainer, a jujitsu trainer, learning how to take punishments, learning how to roll with blows, learning how to fall correctly. This is probably a wise course of action if you're investing, let's say, I don't know, a half a billion dollars, says the Kansas City Chiefs in your quarterback 
over the course of his career. It's probably a wise, probably a wise choice, a course of action to uh, make sure they're able to absorb blows. And, and people do that. There are people who fight for a living, who absorb punishment for a living, uh, and and end up for the most part okay. Uh, Bob Harris talking about jujitsu. Um, yeah, buddy, Karate Kid. Did you see that movie? By the way, it wasn't jujitsu. It was Miyagi. Miyagi. Uh, <laughs> Miyagi something? I don't know. Did it you was watch? wax on, wax off. You ever see Karate Kid? Of course I did. All right. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I, I ask you if you've seen movies that are like. Well, I don't see the stupid you, movies. You don't, you don't see them. Like Forrest Gump. Nah, I don't watch that. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple of wide receivers, a couple of more wide receivers that uh, I'm digging on. Uh, and, and we'll go through three, Bob. I want to get your opinions on these three guys. And they're all second-year players. First off, Tank Dell. And I got to say, as a rookie, I wasn't on him. He was He's a small guy. But, boy, he freaking was good when he – 16 and a half points per game in the 10 games that he played a full game. And he had 17-plus points in six of those 10 games. Like, he was great. And he's not a big guy at all. And I think, you know, he's a product of the offense. We didn't see C.J. Stroud coming. We didn't see the – you know, I think we did see Nico Collins emerging, but we didn't see Tank Dell and we didn't see Stroud – uh, making that transition from college to the pros with such statistical success. And so I, I dig Tank Dell. I dig Jaden Reed. Uh, I, I was a fan of him in the preseason. I thought, hey, if you could take him late, deep sleeper type. He didn't really start off the season real well. Remember, Romeo Dobbs was the guy in the beginning of the year. And then Reed got hot. And down the stretch, he scored 15 or more points in all but one of his final eight games. And so the Packers offense, now I know they've got a lot of good young wide receivers. They've got to two really good young tight ends. So it might be a little bit difficult to figure out who's going to be the guy on a regular basis. I would argue that Reed was the guy almost every week. And for the majority of the weeks, he was the player that they were getting most involved in uh, at wide receiver, whether it was as a pass catcher or having him run some plays out of the backfield, whatever it was, they want to get Jaden Reed the football. And then finally, Jordan Addison, interesting stat on Jordan Addison. Now, Bob, you know this. You mentioned Kirk Cousins. It all depends on what happens with Kirk Cousins and who the hell the quarterback is in Minnesota. Right. Because this could all be moot if their quarterback situation is not great. And they need a good quarterback in that offense of Kevin O'Connell. But Addison had 34 catches, 472 yards, and six touchdowns in the eight games that he played with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson draws defenses like nobody, right, in this league. I mean, you got to cover them. And you can't cover him with just one dude. So when Jefferson played, Addison was having his way. He was getting, I mean, again, six touchdowns in eight games. And he scored double-digit touchdowns. It was not like he was bad when Jefferson was out. But he was really consistent and getting into the end zone when Jefferson was playing. Uh, We hope that Jefferson will be playing 17 games in 2024. We hope that Kirk Cousins will be the quarterback. And if he's not, who knows? Maybe it's Justin Fields. I don't know what they're going to do. But I hope it's Cousins. And if it is, I think Jordan Addison is going to be potentially like one of those like high to mid-tier wide receiver too, Bobs. Uh, so give us your thoughts on those three wide receivers. Uh, take Dell. I agree with you. You're going to see Nico Collins going as a tail end wide receiver one in drafts this year. Wide receiver 12-ish. Probably second round, uh, mid to late second round. Take Dell is going to be going then into the third round. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's maybe a little aggressive for me. I, you know, both of those are a little aggressive for me, but, but it's the going price and it's totally understandable. You know, again, CJ Stroud, he was the NFL 
offensive rookie of the year. And the, the fact that Bobby Slowick did not move on as, you know, he'll remain as the coach and quarterback coach remains. All the pieces are still in place. I'm kind of with you there. I think they'll get a better running back free agency or the draft. And I think that works in favor of all those guys. I like all those players. Jaden Reed, I do think, is at the top of the heap of the Packers wide receivers for me. That said, I'll probably have way more Dontavian Wicks in early best balls because he's the cheapest piece. And I don't know if I, – I, I do agree with you. If one is going to emerge as a consistent producer, it's going to be Reed. But there are going to be weeks where it is Doves, and there are going to be weeks where it is maybe Christian Watson if they can figure out his hamstring. And they talked about that mm-hmm. last year, that they're going to figure that out. If they figure that out, his athleticism is off the charts, and we saw that in the four-game stretch as a rookie when he scored seven touchdowns. So so I'm with you on Reed. I like him an awful lot. I don't know if I want to pay the freight for him right now. And in Addison, I'll pay for I think he's the, he's reasonably priced, uh, the most reasonably priced of the three. And I think everything you said is spot on on him. Yeah, uh, by the way, Miyagi Doe karate. Thank you, uh, Toss. I, I couldn't think about it, I, I, I but I remembered it. Bob, he just he's driving me. Bob is like the the Johnny uh, of this program. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. All right. Anyways, uh, another running back that I like and then two tight ends and then we're going to get to the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Tajay Spears. I don't know what's going on with Derrick Henry. I don't know if he's back in Tennessee, but if he's not, Tajay Spears is a real nice sleeper attack, breakout kind of guy. He averaged four and a half yards per rush as a rookie. Uh, he averaged over 11 fantasy points in the games where he saw at least 10 touches, and that was only seven games. He is an electric type player. Uh, the Titans offense is going to look very different under Callahan. I don't, again, we don't know what's going on with Derrick Henry. And I assume that the Titans, if they don't bring back Derrick Henry, will bring in another running back. But Spears could be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the two tight ends. Well, one of them is Trey McBride. Listen to these numbers, Bob. Trey McBride finished seventh in fantasy points on the season. Okay. Now, part of that is that tight end stinks. It's it's a, it's a bad position. It's not deep. In his first seven games, when Zach Ertz was, was the number one, he was the tight end 29 and averaged 4.6 points per game. After Ertz got hurt, and he was out of the mix. McBride was the tight end three, and he averaged 15 points per game. <clears throat> that was more than Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews. Yep. This kid is in a great spot. Now, if they bring in Marvin Harrison Jr., okay, I don't care. Uh, I'm still all in on Trey McBride. Uh, love what he's going to be able to be with this Cardinals. And it's crazy, too, because like the Cardinals forever did not have good fantasy tight ends, like ever. Like they always, right? <laughs> I mean, like, like their best fantasy title was like Freddie Jones, like one year. I can't even remember. Like Rob I mean, Yeah, they were just bad, right? They just always, but now, you know, Ertz was good for that short period of time. He's in Arizona. And now I think McBride's going to be a star. And the other guy is a rookie. And that's Brock Bowers. And I think, Bob, Sam Laporta especially, but also uh, Dalton Kincaid, and then to a lesser degree, uh, Luke Musgrave, having good seasons as rookies, I think that kind of, that eases the mind of fantasy managers who are afraid that drafting a rookie tight end is, is an exercise in futility because typically they don't really produce. But after we saw Laporta be the best tight end in fantasy football in his first year, we saw Kincaid make some noise, you know, Musgrave when he was healthy, you know, he had a couple of games of Tucker craft and green Bay, same kind of thing. I think I'm, I feel better about drafting a rookie that is considered to be one of the best tight ends to come out of college in the last decade. Uh, this guy had 175 catches, over 2,500 yards, and 26 touchdowns in 40 career games at Georgia. And again, I'm not typically big on rookie mm-hmm. tight ends, but this guy 
if I could get him late as a tight end too, and I think I can, I am going to be in on that. So I tried to do that in uh, the Sirius XM hoster draft that we held. The initial one was the middle of the month. And I thought I'm going to, I'm going to be really smart. I did get Sam LaPorta like in round four. I thought that was a reasonable value for him in this particular draft. But my plan was late in this draft, we only went 12 rounds. I said, I said like round 11, I'm going to grab Bowers and just, you know, try and plant my flag and be a smart guy. Uh, and he went about three picks before me. So middle of the 11th round, I think he would, ended up going 11-5. I had 11-8 in that particular draft or the eighth pick in, in that round. And I missed out on Bowers, but that seems to be the range. I wonder if as the season gets closer and people know he's where he's at, that he won't start moving up as people start, you know, analysts and the world starts talking up, you know, his talents a little more post-draft. You know, something we'll see in drafts, Fabs, is early drafts, the memories from last year are really fresh in our head and we'll see, you'll see people really <clears throat> adhere like the quarterbacks going later. But as we get closer to the season, people forget those lessons and they start drafting, reverting back, crawling back into their old armor and shells and, and doing the things that they've been comfortable with their whole life. So that means you're going to draft like three running backs to start every draft. Right. So, I mean, that's just, you know, people tend to do that. So we'll see how the rookie uh, tight ends play out, but I'm with you on Bowers looks like a, a unique player. Career, although, the photos of him at the Super Bowl. Yeah, he looked. He didn't look like a like a football player, right? He's not an imposing physical specimen, no, but he's he's, a, he's he's a kind of big. You know, he he was an every down guy on the field. So, and I think maybe the pictures of him next to Gronk, like everybody next to Gronk, looks like a miniature human. Like even during the game programs, you know, he's standing next to Howie Long. He towers over him. I'm thinking, man. Yeah, I'm adjusting my uh, my friend uh, Dave Kluge, a football guy, said he was adjusting his dynasty rankings, moving Gronk up after seeing those photos. Ah, nice. Well, um, let, remember Hunter Renfro? I, I mean, he looked like my guidance counselor from high school, right. crying out loud. And you know, he had a good year. Fair but, enough. Uh, <laughs> so uh, looks can be deceiving, Bob Harris. All right, so that's uh, that's a look at my Valentine's Day fantasy crush list, and you can find that full list over at Sports Illustrated. Uh, Bob, let's get into some of the rookie quarterbacks and we're going to do this on a weekly basis. Now we're going to look at one skill position and talk about some of the top prospects because, you know, combines coming up and fantasy managers are going to be wanting to know which of these quarterbacks they're going to end up drafting in dynasty in redraft, et cetera. Uh, especially after what we saw CJ Stroud do this past season, I think people will be a little bit more in on quarterbacks. Although I don't know that Stroud wasn't a unicorn in terms of, uh, making a, making such a, a, a huge impact and not being a, you know, running type of quarterback. But let's start off uh, with Caleb Williams, who is projected to be the first overall pick of the Chicago Bears. And that's fascinating to me because Justin Fields in that scenario would get traded someplace. And that's going to have all kinds of fantasy implications. But we'll talk about Williams first. Um, and now this is the time of the year where I, I'm on YouTube all the time. And I'm just watching these guys and watching different uh, game film and highlights of these players to see exactly what they are. Because I listen, uh, I, I don't watch college football. I, I don't have time to watch college football during football season. I just don't. So now is my time to study up on these guys and read the very smart people uh, writing articles and, and producing video content like Daniel Jeremiah, for example, and, uh, and many others. So Williams in his final two years with the Trojans, 52 touchdown passes, only 10 interceptions. He completed more than 67% of his passes and he rushed for 21 yard, uh, 21 touchdowns, not 21 yards in that time. Now he's not, he's not, you know, Cam Newton or Robert Griffin, the third, but he can give you some love on the ground. Uh, he's got really good arm talent. 
Uh, he can make every throw. Uh, when he's forced to scramble from the pocket, he can make plays. He's he's a playmaker. And my NFL player comp for him is Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. All I'm saying is that he reminds me of Patrick Mahomes in his skill set, in his build, and the type of throws that he can make. And if he goes to Chicago, which most people are predicting, uh, Bob, I'm pretty sure he's going to end up being drafted late mm-hmm. in redrafts and in dynasty. He's going to be the first quarterback off the board. Uh, all I heard was uh, was Williams is Patrick Mahomes. Toss clip that, please. Um, I didn't say I said he's <laughs> comparable in his physical skill set, jerk. <laughs> so anyway, um, like every <laughs> we do the same thing, right? We're working on NFL football during the NFL season. These guys might as well be like space aliens dropped onto the planet, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm playing catch up as well. So I asked, and we talked to many of the draftnik type people. I'm keen on Matt Waldman of the rookie scouting portfolio. I know how he does his work, but others as well. Uh, And everyone we've asked on the Football Diehards program on Sirius, we've asked every single guest, if you were in a startup dynasty, where would Anthony Richardson rank in this year's class? Inevitably, he would rank behind Caleb Williams. I think inevitably, Williams is quarterback one. Richardson will be quarterback two in a dynasty startup. And so a uh, two quarterback. So in case you're wondering why people be drafting quarterbacks first overall, that would be why Could we frame yeah. it carefully people. I was going to say, wait a minute. Um, But, but that's, you know, that's where he's at. And, and so, you know, if he lands in Chicago, there is some talk that Washington's fixing to make a move uh, for the obvious reason. Cliff They're going to have to pay through the nose to get and him. Yeah. Maybe they will. I mean, they went out and hired Cliff Kingsbury. The last time we saw somebody hire Cliff Kingsbury and people started saying, oh, well, maybe they'll try to get Kyler Murray, even though they had Josh Rosen or whatever. I mean, they went out and got Kyler Murray. They went out and got his guy. So, you know, I think people are, you're going to hear a lot of that discussion going, heading into the draft. I think the Falcons are another team that would be wise to move up. I don't know that they'll move up that far, but, uh, you know, maybe they are be satisfied taking the leftovers, uh, which is Fields. Mm. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way for Fields. I think he'll be a fine player. But clearly, the you know, if the Bears are willing to move on from him, it's because Caleb Williams is great or they, you know, they expect him to be great less so than they did a knock on field. Boy, the Panthers really messed up. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I don't know 2020, I guess. Right. Um, uh, next up is Drake may out of uh, North Carolina. And by the way, love the Tar Heels uniforms. Uh, something about that, that powder blue is just glorious out there on the gridiron or in any uh, sport. He's a big guy. He's 6'4", he's 230, um, real good arm strength, very accurate. He completed 65% of his passes uh, while throwing for just 60, for 62 touchdowns and only 16 interceptions with the Tar Heels uh, over his final two years. And another thing about Drake May is that he can run. He rushed for over 1,100 yards and 16 touchdowns in his final 16 collegiate games. Like, you got to take that uh, in, in, and keep that in the back of your mind. This kid is big. He's got a big arm, but he can run with it. Uh, if you look at some other intangibles, I uh, was looking at uh, our friends over at PFF. Uh, Drake May led all FBS quarterbacks with a minimum of 50 pass attempts with a 94.8 passer rating, uh, uh, passer grade, excuse me, on throws between the hashes. What does that mean? That he gets back into the pocket. He goes through his progressions very well. And when his progressions break down and he's got to throw the ball, he is making accurate passes and he's making good decisions. That's big. He is like, Bob, he's like the perfect, like new age prototypical NFL quarterback. Uh, My player comp for him is Ben Roethlisberger. And I think he can be a better runner than Ben Roethlisberger. People forget 
Like, you know, Rosenberger was around for a long time. When he came into the, he, he could run a little bit, right? I mean, again, he's not Cam Newton, but he could run a little bit. Uh, Drake May is, uh, is very intriguing to me. Uh, right now, we were projecting to go to the Washington Commanders. As you mentioned, maybe they move up and try to get Caleb Williams. But uh, despite the fact that North Carolina Tar Heel quarterbacks have not done well in the NFL, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out, and I think Dre May could be special. He's been sliding a little bit, you know, in the estimation of a lot of the draft picks. You see him moving down a little bit, uh, or maybe more that somebody else is moving up, who we will talk about momentarily. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, kind of somewhere in between Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger, right? Maybe, you know, you know, a similar type of uh, athletic uh, physical quarterback. So big arm, you know, there's inconsistencies in his game, so he'll need to polish that up, but but I can remember when Josh Allen came in the league and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, right? So people do improve uh, with uh, high-end coaching, and, and we'll see where, you know, the landing spot will make a difference. I mean, I see yeah. the top three going likely to the top three spots if there are no significant changes. So we'll see how that plays out. But whether you think it's going to be uh, – whether you think he's the guy or that maybe the guy we're about to talk about, uh, Jaden Daniels, is yeah. the guy, that, that's the question mark, right? And Jaden Daniels is – you wanted to now, if you're talking about a rushing quarterback, like this is the guy, uh, Jaden Daniels, he was a five-year starter in college. Remember he started his career at Arizona state and then he ended up transferring over to LSU. Uh, in that time, he completed 66% of his career passes uh, and he had a 70.4% completion percentage in 2022. So the kid is very accurate with his passes. He's dynamic. Um, he's real athletic. He rushed, for 2,109 yards and 21 touchdowns as a runner, okay? That's big. We want guys who can run with the football as a quarterback, especially as a rookie. I wouldn't be surprised if Jaden Daniels ends up in the right spot that he's the best quarterback in fantasy football this season. <clears throat> there's a couple of issues with him, though. I think there's potential durability problems because he's not a big guy. He's like real slight of frame. And because of his style of play, Bob, that could open him up to injuries. Right. And again, he's not, a, he's not, when you look at him, he's not like, you know, Anthony Richardson looks a little bit bigger to me. He is a little bit bigger. Jay, he's yeah, a lot right, bit bigger. Exactly. <laughs> Jay, right, right, right. Sarcastically. Jaden Daniels is not, he's kind of a sleight of frame guy, uh, but he's got to end up in an offense. That's going to run a lot of RPOs and is going to run a lot of design plays for the quarterback. Uh, my NFL player comparison to him is Deshaun Watson on the field. Uh, at least when Deshaun Watson came out of college. So, He's a player to watch. There's been talk that, you know, the Patriots will take him at three. Uh, your thoughts on Jaden Daniels, Bob? Yeah, I think he's the, you know, kind of the wild card. I, you know, I don't want to call him the lottery ticket because I do think Caleb Williams is, is right there. But, but yeah, everything you said is true. Deep ball accuracy is fantastic. The rushing ability is phenomenal. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. All those things that you like to see. Uh, I guess, the, you know, the concerns are are the you know the build uh and and i mean he hasn't been great under pressure but i you know i like i think there's things that you know if we're going to sit here and nitpick and everyone is all right because we're in we're in that season where everything is going to be dissected to the nth yep. degree i think you know we maybe overthink some of these things and and, and put a little too much stock in them i'm not going to put you know that he has not necessarily handled pressure extremely well or ideally over the course of his college career i think that's something that could be coached up as well uh, Michael Penix Jr. is next on the list out of Washington. You know, really good, accurate quarterback with a big arm, dude. I mean, like in uh, in his final two years with the Huskies, 67 touchdown passes, just 19 interceptions, 65.4% completion rate. 
Uh, he is a guy who will push the ball down the field. He needs to be in an offense that is a vertical type of offense that's got some speedy wide receivers who are going to be able to take the top off a of defense. Uh, the downside with Penix is he suffered two ACL tears in 2018 and 2020. Uh, he also had some AC joint problems uh, in 2019 and 2021. So there have been some durability issues. He doesn't run with the ball either. Uh, he only rushed for a combined 265 yards in his 49 coll uh, collegiate contests. Uh, when I watched him, Bob, like I know some people may not remember Scott Mitchell because like, you know, he's an, he's a lefty, but he kind of right. reminded me a little bit of Scott Mitchell. Um, but in terms of like a more recent example, I guess it'd probably be Tua. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm putting him into the left-handed quarterback category because he is. And so like, that's what I like, you know, if anybody wants to compare him to Steve Young, you're out of your mind. You he are is out not of your mind. Steve Young, and he is not Michael Vick either. Like, like he doesn't run with the ball. <laughs> either of those guys could have maybe, been legit running backs in the right, NFL. Right. Like, you know, maybe like the big arm type of it. Okay. You know, like, you know, that maybe that part, but I don't see, I don't see his game looking like that. Uh, to, to me, it's more of a Tua. Uh, and for those old school people, like remember with Scott Mitchell was at the Lions right. that one year, he had a massive year. They threw the ball downfield. They had good playmaking wide receivers. And uh, if Penix lands in the right spot, I think, you know, he has some fantasy relevance down the line. I Seahawks Steelers, you know, come to mind as possibilities, you know, and I'm with you. He's, he has fallen out of favor as well. His stock seems to be dropping yeah, yeah. at yeah. this point. So, so like, you know, I do think the arm talent is undeniable. The rest of it though, there are questions. Uh, finally, J.J. McCarthy, who Jim Harbaugh, his former says coach at uh, Michigan, says that he is the best quarterback in his class. Um, there may be a little bit of bias there. Uh, listen, McCarthy was very good. But here's the thing. His numbers don't pop off the page, Bob, because Michigan didn't throw the ball a lot. No. Like, so he averaged McCarthy 22.1 pass attempts per game this past season. By comparison, Caleb Williams averaged 32.3. And Drake may average 35.4. So Michigan just was not a team that threw the ball a ton. Okay. Right. Some people out there believe that if he was in an offense that threw the ball more, he'd be Joe Burrow. Okay. Maybe, you know, that'd be great. He can run with it a little bit. He rushed for 508 yards and eight touchdowns in his final two years. So he can get around uh, again. You know, he's not a guy who's going to be cam or, or RG three or Vince young, but he can, he can run with the ball a little bit. The downside with him is that he also, he's not a big guy. He's kind of have that slender frame. Yep. 200 pounds. Uh, and that could be an issue. My NFL comparison for him is Kirk cousins. And that's on the high end with JJ McCarthy. Yeah. Who could end up being a late first round pick, Bob, maybe and even higher, maybe even in Minnesota where, you know, I know my colleagues at football guys, they just came out with a rookie draft guide there. People, if you want to go get it, it's absolutely free. Just put in your email address, go to footballguys.com, get it downloaded immediately for free. Um, they kind of like throw that out there that he might be an ideal fit in the kind of the McVay Shanahan style offense, Kevin O'Connell awaiting there with, right. you know, even if they bring in, you know, even if they retain Kirk cousins, which hoping they will, uh, you know, that there's a shelf life there, right? He's not going to play forever and you're grooming a young quarterback to come up and be able to take his place would be an ideal spot, but there are other spots as well, but I, I'm, I'm with you on him. Uh, I'm a little bit, you know, you know, the, the hype is going to roll because of Harbaugh's comments, but we'll, we'll see where it plays out. Landing spot's going to matter. All right, guys, that's uh, that's our look at the top five rookie quarterbacks. Of course, there are some more uh, that we will be looking at down the line. We'll be covering the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, all the positions over the next several weeks. Uh, Bob, I put into the uh, rundown here 
something I think that we should do at the end of every show. We can get Toss involved as well. Uh, I call it something to believe in. You get it? You get it? You get it? Um, it can be anything about football. It can be anything about pop culture, whatever you want it to be, Bob. Something that Bob Harris believes in right now. And I, I guess I brought that up because it's a Poison song. Brett Michaels is going to be on my SiriusXM show this week from Poison. Uh, you know I am a big hairband guy, so I'm very excited about that. So it just all made sense. So anything in the news, Bob, it can be sports. It could be whatever you want it to be. Bob Harris, uh, what is there out there that you're believing in right I'm now? I'm believing in going to see, you know, people say, it, take the trip, go see the show. Go see the show. This past couple of weeks, there was a show here in Dallas that I've seen to the band tool many, many times, many, many times. I did not see them when they were here on February 2nd. I had a radio show that night. My co-host was out. I felt like I was obligated. I I wanted to go to the show, but I kind of decided, look, I've seen them like nine times. If I need to go. I have so much regret right now that I didn't go. Um, I wish I got. Go to the show, people. I believe in taking advantage of your opportunities, uh, whether it pertains to going to concerts, taking trips, spending time with people. Uh, take your chances and, and, and don't have any regrets afterwards. All right, Toss, give me something that you believe in. Um, I'm going to stick in the fantasy football realm here. If you're in a keeper league where you rookie draft, I believe in trading some of your current roster to move up and get two first round picks in the rookie draft. Cause I think those quarterbacks, the top three that y'all mentioned are all going to be in fact, impactful pros. And there's a ton of receivers in this class, like a, the very yeah. deep receiver class. So, um, if you if you're one of those people who leveraged a bunch of your draft capital from this year to get players to compete for a championship, I'd reverse that order. And I believe in this in this upcoming draft class. I think it's stacked with talent. So Love it's it. not as fun, Fabs. It's not it's not outside of fantasy football, but this is the Believe Fantasy Football show. So I thought it was relevant. Now listen, it, it could be anything, man. It could be anything you want. Anything you want. Um, Bob Bob is gonna laugh at me for this one. Um, I generally laugh at you though, so that's like not a big, it's not like a huge off the wall prediction. You are gonna laugh at me for this one, and Toss is probably gonna laugh at me for this one too, as well. Uh, as you guys know, I love rock and metal, uh, I am a huge fan, and I have been a huge fan forever. Uh, I also love female metal singers, love them like dating back to like heart. And Fleetwood Mac, like I, Stevie Nicks, I love female metal singers. And there is a girl, I can't pronounce her name. Daria Zeritskaya, I can't pronounce her last name. I believe that this girl is one of the most talented female singers that I've ever heard. And by the way, she is easy on the eyes as well. <laughs> she, There are YouTube videos of her. It's Daria, Z-A-R-I-T-S-K-A-Y-A. She's got about 300,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, she uh, is on YouTube singing like, Here I Go Again, uh, Still of the Night from Whitesnake, uh, some BG stuff. I love her. She's, uh, she's awesome. Like She's right up there with like Amy Lee from Evanescence, who I also love, and the lead singer from Hailstorm who I also love. Lizzie Hale. Yes, she's awesome. And 
I don't know. I don't know the the girl's name. She's a lead singer of a band called Within Temptation, and she is awesome. But this Daria girl is like unbelievable. And I may be, I may or may not be in love with her. I may or may not. You want to talk about a crush? I mean, this this woman is unbelievable. So if you're into metal and you like female metal singers, <clears throat> Bob, I know you're you're fixing to say something smart ass, which is fine. Don't make me bring up the card your wife got you uh, for Valentine's Day or your fiance, who, by the way, you outkicked your coverage on. But go look her up. Daria, Z-A-R-I-T-S-K-A-Y. You will, if you don't fall in love with her, you're going to fall in love with her voice. She's amazing. Uh, be sure to check her out. I believe that this girl's going to be a star. Go ahead, Bob. I know you're going to make a smart ass comment. So go, the, the floor is yours. I'll stop now. Show the card. Yeah, I'll, uh, no. Bob, no. I'll, I'll save you here. I have a question for no. you guys. Go ahead. Who, who, uh, who's going to be the Super Bowl halftime performer next year? Anyway, uh, this any- girl, Daria, better be. <laughs> It, I want her I to mean, sing at halftime. Uh, sing some metal. Come on, I don't think, man. I don't like metal is like you know means different things to different people. Um, I'll just say this: since the Super Bowl Fifty snub of Metallica, I don't really care. I did. I'm going to say like I thought this halftime show, without having a lot of knowledge or you know, under, you know, without knowing a lot of the songs and stuff, I thought it was super entertaining. Uh, and a very good production. I think the problem is, is it's the halftime's 32 minutes and it's too long for a halftime. They need to do something. I saw someone on Twitter. I wish I could remember who it was, made a recommendation. I'd like to credit them, but you know, make it like a 45 minute show, show part of it on the screens inside the stadium, like the 15 minutes until the band gets out Do stream the whole thing then on whatever network platform that is broadcasting the game for everyone to see, put it on the social medias and whatnot. Uh, but but honestly, the snub of Metallica at Super Bowl Fifty in San Francisco was so ridiculous. I don't care who they put it anymore. Yeah, they're never they're never gonna pay anybody that that Bob and I give a rat's patootie about. Um, just because, uh, who cares? Anybody? I get boy. Imagine imagine a ha- I mean, right now, Bob. I mean, there's not even anybody in rock that they would that they would even consider. I don't like, know. Maybe they maybe they would. But but but, but uh, honestly, if the it's show in New Orleans is, next season too or next year too. So I. I like I, I don't like I don't I don't love you two. They're not my cup of tea. But last time either. in New Orleans when they did that halftime after 9-11, I thought that was a phenomenal halftime, evoked emotions. Yeah. Some of the halftime acts that I've loved have been, you know, Prince was fantastic in the rain yeah. in Miami. I mean, there's what an epic, epic showing. I mean, it's just it's hard to do a good show in that narrow band of time, and it takes a truly I- iconic act to do it. Uh, but some acts are so iconic. How do you fit in all that music? I thought the uh the the I think some of the shows they've done the last couple of years so have been really well done and and even though it's not necessarily my choice of music I can watch anything anybody do anything if they're doing it really good and everyone was doing working on a high level uh, on this halftime and and pretty much all the ones in recent memory so I'm not going to sit here and knock who they have or who they don't have and I'm just going to try instead sit back and enjoy the entertainment as it's presented. I do the same thing when I watch the Grammys and like, I don't know half the acts that are on there. I'm just trying Why to enjoy are you watching these shows. Why are you watching the Grammys? Who cares? I, I don't care. I'm just looking like looking for some entertainment. Football's over. Is Unless Ricky Gervais is hosting something. I'm not watching any of that stuff. I don't care what it is. Um, I didn't watch the halftime show. Most of it was spent walking my dog so he can go to the bathroom because you know, I, I, wanted to watch I will the game. tell you, I will tell you this. 
Many of the ladies in my life were texting me, suggesting they would let Usher show them to their seats after he stripped down at uh, during part of the show. So I don't know. I guess he was. Uh, I guess he was uh, doing his job correctly. You're a weirdo. All right, that's all for <laughs> for this week's edition of the Believe Fantasy Football Show, presented by Bet Online. I am going to be off next week. Whether or not Bob Harris wants to do the the show with Taz solo, I don't know. It's up to him. Uh, it's Bob Harris's world. We're just living in it. Uh, but we will be back soon to continue our look at the rookies. We will look at the running backs when we come back on the Believe Fantasy Football Show. Again, presented by Bet Online for Toss and the great Bob Harris, the legendary king. I am Fabs. We'll see you t- next time. Uh-huh.